0: Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Today we're going to start a new series entitled Rooted. Rooted. And so if you would not mind getting out your Bibles, if you have a paper one or turning on your Bible, if you have a digital one, and turning your Bibles this morning... Uh, to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms, it's, it's not necessarily the middle book of the Bible, but the reality is if you just go to the middle of your Bible, you're going to probably be in Psalms. And uh, turn to Psalm 23, and we're going to look at one verse today, and we're going to talk about being rooted. Rooted, the whole entire month, being rooted. There are some things that, as believers, we need to be rooted in. And uh, and today we're going to talk about this idea of being rooted in God, rooted in God, and uh, we're going to look at that a little bit. As you're turning to Psalm 23, I'm going to read to you Colossians 2, 6 through 7, and it's going to be on the screens here. You just find your way to Psalm 23. And Colossians 2, 6 through 7 says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord. Now, I love that because last week, this is something to celebrate. We had a ton of people, come on, give their lives to Jesus Christ on Easter Sunday, both campuses. Uh, man, people said yes to Jesus. They said, man, I want to follow Jesus. As a matter of fact, um, there was a, a woman at our other campus that came forward. It was a professing Buddhist and, and, and said she needed Jesus in her life. And so someone led her to the Lord right there. has been walking her through that process and what that means. And so uh, what an awesome weekend that was. And it says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him. Two really distinct things. We receive Christ Jesus, right? All the work he did by grace through faith we're saved. The work he did on the cross, the life he lived, the fact that he was raised again from the grave to give us a new life. We receive that, but after we receive that, the Bible says now we have to walk in him. Now listen to it now. It says, walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught overflowing with gratitude. What a powerful passage. We receive Christ, but after we receive Christ, we need to walk in Christ, okay? How are we gonna walk in Christ? Being rooted and built up in him, established in the faith. Well, pastor, how do I do that? Listen, here's how it happens. You come to church, uh, you come to small group, and here's what happens, just as you were taught, okay? And so we we don't know when we first come to Jesus Christ that there's something we need to do but what happens is is as we come to Jesus and we get around a biblical community we get trained and we get taught and then we begin to walk in him and be rooted in him. Now listen to this part, overflowing with gratitude. Come on. How do you know if someone is rooted in Christ Jesus and in God because they're overflowing with gratitude? All right? They like to party. Come on. Are you with me? Holy Ghost party, right? They like, to, they like to come to church and they like to celebrate. They, they like to worship. They like to do all those things. How do we know that someone is rooted in God? Because there is great gratitude. What does this word rooted mean? Um, it's the word uh, in the Greek. It is heridzo. And it means this. It means to cause, to strike root. I want you to listen to some of this definition because it's going to come into play this whole entire month. To strengthen with roots, to render firm, to fix establish, cause a person or a thing to be thoroughly grounded. Think about that. So when Paul here is writing this to the church of Colossae, he says, hey guys, I want you to be rooted. What he's saying is, I want you to be established. I want you to be thoroughly grounded. I want you to be firm, I want you to be fixed. Why was he saying that? Because there's gonna be a lot of things that come your way in life, but if you are rooted in God, if you're rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're grounded, you're firm, come on, you're gonna be immovable. Are you with me? And so, we're gonna talk about this idea of being grounded, to be rooted in God, who he is. And so who are you rooted in? Rooted in God. Now, I, I, wanna, I wanna go now to Psalm 23. This Psalm is written by a guy named David. Uh, what the Bible says about David is this. It says that David was a man. He was one of the greatest kings in all of Israel's history. And it says this about David. David was a man after God's own heart. Think about it. How many guys would like that said about you? Like when your friends, oh, I got this friend, Ben, and he is a man after God's own heart, okay? That's pretty cool, right? I mean, you're just getting introduced. Now, this is the Bible talking about David. In other words, this is God's word professing over. How many guys would like God to say that about you? Hi, child. After my own heart, right? That's pretty powerful, okay? So David had this connection with God. David had this this insight of who God is and this, this incredible thing. Now, it would take us too long to talk about all that God is here this morning, Right? Uh, It would take us too long to get into the deep doctrine of God, Um, so we're just gonna talk about these three things that David says in Psalm 23, verse one. This insight that David has. Now, if you want to learn more about who God is, um, I'm excited because we have another weekend intensive coming up um, on uh, Saturday, the 16th of this month. If you don't know what that is, that's a time where you come on a Saturday for three and a half hours and we study in depth the word of God together. How many of you guys think that sounds kind of cool, right? You want to learn, go a little deeper. That's, you can sign up for that. Um, But also, in the fall, we're going to bring back our school of ministry. Uh, We've graduated many school of ministry students, one of which right now um, oversees the youth ministries right here, actually the children and the youth ministries right here at Canvas Church. And so if you want to go deeper in the study of God's word, starting in September, we're relaunching that. We're going to have two different tracks, one for working adults so that they can go deeper in the word, and then another one for college students that they can maybe take courses during the week. And that's a place where we can talk more about who God is. But today I wanna to look at Psalm 23-1, and I wanna to talk to you about these three pillars or these three ideas that David says about God. Are you with me? Psalm 23, verse one. And it says this. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I lack. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I lack. Let me read one more time. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I lack. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. Uh, Lord, I pray in the next few moments that we have together that, Lord, you would speak to us, you would encourage us through your word, and I pray, most importantly, you would teach us through your word so that we would walk out of here knowing how to be rooted in you, knowing what it means to be rooted in you, understanding who you are. Teach us now, I pray, in Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I lack. Another translation might say this, "I I don't need anything. I, I don't, there's nothing I need. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I lack. David now, as he writes this, most scholars believe this is not an early writing of David's. It's not that David was this young shepherd. I read some commentaries that thought, well, this is maybe around the time that David was running from a guy named King Saul, and he's hiding out in a cave, and and he's writing, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, there's nothing I lack, or there's nothing I need, but as you study it further, what you begin to discover that this is probably one of those psalms that David wrote later in life because of the word that were used because of the imagery that was painted it wasn't it wasn't painted from a young man's perspective it was painted with a perspective of somebody that was seasoned somebody that was mature somebody that's lived some life are you with me and so when David writes this he's writing this from a perspective of of all sorts of stuff he's writing this from a perspective of when he was little and he got looked over by by uh, by the prophets uh, and, and when they came to anoint the next king, and if you don't know the story, they come to anoint the next king, and they look at all of his older brothers, David being the youngest, and, and he's not even in the line to get, to get selected from, and, 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 and the prophet says, hey, do you have another son? And Jesse, his father, happens to say, well, yeah, I do, but he's working out in the field. We'll bring him, and he, he comes in, and he gets anointed. So he was looked over by his father. He was, he was looked over by all of his brothers. This is the same David that, 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 that as he was anointed to be king, King Saul gets upset and, and tries to kill David. You ever read that story? So David now runs for his life, and he's hiding in caves and hiding in fields and running scared for his life. This is the same David that, when he became king, committed adultery and murder. Wait a second, Pastor. I thought you said he was a man after God's own heart. How does that one work? It's called grace. Are you with me? Right? And so David now, having lived this long life, he can, in in retrospect and looking back at his successes, looking back at his failures, looking back at his pains, he can sit there and say, the Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I lack. Are you with me? There's nothing I lack. There's nothing I need. He makes a very powerful statement. Now I've enjoyed every season of life that I've been in, for the most part. <laughs> I've enjoyed. I enjoyed growing up with three older brothers. Let me rephrase that. I enjoyed growing up. Take the three other brothers out. Okay. I had great parents. You know, the brothers they were so-so. I enjoyed my season of the teenage years. I enjoyed my seasons of of singleness. Are there any single people in here right now? All right. Yeah, they know me, right? Whatever, okay? I enjoyed my season of singleness. Man, it was a great time. It's fun, you know? But I've enjoyed my season when I met my wife and we were, we were dating and then we were engaged and we enjoyed our engagement season and now we've had 19, almost 19 years of bliss. Come on, somebody, all right? All right? But listen to me, it's not like one season's better than the other, but there's just exciting things that happen in each season. And, and one of the exciting things that happened in the season of, of, of marriage or really dating was the day that I asked this beautiful woman to marry me, okay? Now, how many of you guys are married and you remember that day, right? Okay, that's a memorable day, right? I remember that day and I had it all planned out. I went the day before to ask her mom and, you know, brought her flowers and, and her mom flowers and said, I'd like to ask, you know, your daughter to marry me. And she started crying. There was like, I was so nervous because there was like 20 of her coworkers like peeking over desks and stuff and seeing what was happening. And I was so nervous. She didn't know I made the drive. And then she said, well, yes, you have my permission, but you got to ask her her stepdad. And I was, that's the one I was worried about. That's why I went to the mom. Come on, somebody, Right? <laughs> I wanted to get mom's pray, because mom said no. I wasn't even going to stepdad. Are you with me? And so well, you gotta you gotta call you gotta call Rocky. And I'm like, oh, I knew you were gonna say that. And so she dials Rocky's number and get, says, hey, Ben is right here and he has something to ask you. And hands me over the phone. I was like, yeah, Rocky. I was nervous. I was like, I was just, 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 just I was just wondering if you would marry me. <laughs> and he stops and I didn't even realize I said it. He goes, well. I wouldn't mind, but you'd have to ask my wife. And I'm like, no, I mean, can I m- 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 marry Mary, Mary Katie? And I was just so nervous. And then, so then the next day I had it all planned out and, and how I was going to do it. And, and uh, we worked together at the time. And so we went and worked in, uh, in the morning at this kid's camp. And then I said, hey, I'm going to take you, because it was on her 21st birthday. And uh, I said, I'm going to take you to lunch. And so I, I, I met her down at this park, and I was so nervous. And I got, you know, we had bought Chinese food. We, we were on a budget then. It wasn't like nice Chinese food. It was Chinese food from Vons. Come on, somebody, right? So I went and got it, but the day before, I bought all these fortune cookies, because I wanted to ask her through a fortune cookie, because we just love Chinese, it was one of our things that we did, and, and, so, uh, and so I found this one fortune cookie that had a crack in it, and I pulled out the little, the little fortune, and then stuck my own fortune in there, and so we finished eating Chinese food, and she goes, oh, I'm kind of full, and I'm like, well, you gotta eat your fortune cookie. She's like, why? I'm full, I'll save it for later. I'm like, no, 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 you gotta eat your fortune cookie. <laughs> It's like, it's your birthday. You might get a good fortune, and, and I'll never forget, you know. And she goes, okay, and she cracks it open. As she cracks open, I reach in. I grab the ring out, and she reads it, and she goes, and it says, Katie. And she stops, and she reads the rest. I love you. Will you marry me? And she looks up, and I gave her the ring. Okay. And so, and I remember that moment, but here's the thing I remember most about that, that, that whole day was, was putting that ring on her finger after she said Yes. And the rest of the day, her walking around like this. She's right-handed, but she shook everybody with her left hand. Right? That next Sunday was glorious at church. She was praising Jesus like never before. We give you praise in all of the glory. You see that? We give you praise. Right? Just going for it. Right? And like the whole rest of the day and that week, it was just like this big grin staring at this ring. Why was she staring at this ring? She was staring at this ring because now this meant I was hers and she was mine. I was hers and she was mine and a new life would be started, a glorious life, a life where we build a family together and have kids and and walk through good times and hard times together. That ring, she stared at it, and the joy that was inside of her wasn't because there was a diamond on her finger. She was excited because it meant I belonged to her and she belonged to me. David writes Psalm 23 with that perspective. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing nothing I would lack. Nothing. Three, three things you must understand to be rooted in God. The first one is this, scene here in Psalm 23, is the Lord. The Lord. He's God. He's God. If we're going to be rooted in him, David understood something. He's the Lord. He's God. He is the wow in all the earth. He is the wow in all of the heavens. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that, that the heavens is his throne and the earth is his footstool. Everything you see, everything you are, it belongs to God. He's God. He's like wow. Like he's he's omnipotent. He's 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 all powerful. There's there, there's nothing he cannot do except for fail. Come on, somebody. He's all powerful, he's he's omniscient. Are you with me? He knows everything. There is nothing that shocks him. There is nothing that surprises him. Those things that surprise you, they don't surprise him. Right? Are you with me? He just knew it was going to happen. Man, he's he's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's omnipresent. He is everywhere present. He's here today, right now, as we worshiped him. But guess what? When you get home, and this week, and you're having a bad day, and you start using other words besides praise words, come on, somebody, He's still there. He's right there. And guess what? He's not scared of your language. Come on now. That wasn't a license for you to just start dropping F-bombs. Are you with me? Okay. But he's everywhere present. He's there. He's God. He is so powerful. He is so loving. He is so gracious. He is so wonderful. He is all these things. The Lord. He's God. Now, I know theologically as we sit, we're like, okay, pastor, this is church. We got it. We got it, he's God. But here's the thing do we live our life as though he is God? Because here's the thing the enemy comes and lies to us. Now he won't just come out and probably say, hey, your God is not big. Because you'll be like, no, theologically, he's huge. Here's what he'll do rather than just attacking God and his nature and saying God isn't big, here's what he'll do he'll say, man, your problem is huge. Your problem is, like, insurmountable. And so here's what we need to do when we talk about God and understand God. We have to understand that the enemy is going to come and lie to us and try to get us fix our eyes on our problem rather than on our God. Right? Maybe you heard the story of David and Goliath. Great story in the Bible, 1 Samuel 17. Just jot that down. Go back and read it. Phenomenal story in the Bible, since we're talking about King David. See, when he wrote this, he knew, the Lord is my shepherd, there's nothing I lack. Well, we could go all the way back to a time when he had to face a giant. You talk about a big problem. So big was this problem that the children of Israel were lined up against the Philistines. And the Philistines came up with this plan, hey, we'll just send our giant Goliath out there, and and then we'll just see if someone wants to fight him. And the Bible says, day and night, Goliath would come out and torment and taunt the children of Israel. Just send somebody out to fight. They were all too scared. David now shows up on the scene, and David sees what's going on. But you know what he declares? He doesn't declare how big Goliath is. He declares that this giant's going to go down by the name of the Lord. That's what he declares. He even says it to the giant. Hey, giant, guess what? I'm not going to take you out with this little rock. I'm going to take you out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He declares it. What was David doing? Rather than looking at his Goliath, he was looking at his God. Are you with me? Rather than staring at the problem, saying, wow, that's a big problem, he was like, no, 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 I got a big God. I got a big God. Are you with me this morning? See, here's the thing. Whatever you place in front of you seems big. Whatever you're staring at seems huge. You're looking at that thing? Guess what? Your problem is gonna be big. But if you get your eyes off that and get your eyes on God... I'll never forget one of our first road trips when our our daughters could kind of understand what they were seeing and this was before they were addicted to phones and video games and watching a movie on a road trip, are you with me? We were driving down the road and there was Mount Shasta and I was like, girls, look at that massive mountain. And they were like, dad, that thing's small. I'm like, just wait, we get a little further. I was like, girls, look, they're like, dad, it grew. Right? I was like, I know. And all of a sudden we get right there and it's right in front of us. They're like, Dad, this is awesome. What the problem was is when it's far away, it seems small. But the closer you get, it seems really big. The problem is is that too many of us when we face circumstance and situations, it starts out out there, but because we keep focusing on it, the closer we get, now the problem seems really large. But if you'd replace that and do the same thing with God, see, some of us right now, God is far from us. Oh, he's in our life. He's there, but we're just distant from him. And so when we look at God, it's like, I know, you know, there's God, but then there's my problem. The, The thing is we just need to get closer to God. And the closer to God we get, as we draw near to him, the Bible says he will draw near to us. And all of a sudden now you begin to approach God and you begin to like, wow, God really is big. Are you with me? We need to stop looking at our Goliath and start looking at our problem and realize that the Lord is. Have you ever played with a magnifying glass before? Maybe when you're little, burning ants, come on, somebody. We We just need to magnify. We just need to put a magnifying glass in front of God and realize there he is. Matter of fact, David also writes this. David writes, that, that we should, in Psalm 34, 8, he says, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Wow. Magnify. How do you magnify God? I mean, I mean it's, 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 he's big. How do you magnify him? You magnify him by putting him in front of you and putting your eyes on him. Putting your magnifying glass on him rather than on your problem. Well, Pastor Ben, where's, do you, are you handing out magnifying glasses on the way out? You did that this morning when you walked in here, when you were singing these songs. Like, wow, life really isn't that stressful. It's really not, I mean, you know what, What it's really not that challenging. What were you doing? You were magnifying God. You magnify him by putting him in front of you rather than your problem in front of you when you talk about him and his goodness, when you sing about him, when you think about him, maybe when you put the word of God in front of you and you, you read about him, maybe, maybe when you start sharing what he's done in your life, rather than what your problem is doing in your life. Amen, good preaching, pastor. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Just remember this, write this down, highlight it. God can do anything in your life except for fail. Whatever you're walking through right now, let me tell you something, your problem isn't that big. Ah, uh, You don't know my problem. No, but I know your God. And your God is big. And He's bigger than your problem. Amen. God is. God is. The second thing you need to understand is that He's yours. The Lord is my. Not the Lord is Pastor Ben's shepherd. Uh, the Lord is the worship team's shepherd. Not the Lord. In, no, the Lord is my. He's mine. He belongs to me, I belong to him. Think about it. In Genesis 1, 27, the God of the universe, he says this, he says, let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let us make man in our own image. The imago Dei, the the very likeness of God, the very image of God, the very expression of God. It's kind of like this. I, um, there's, there's somebody, where she at? Uh, Ashley loves to put together New Year's Eve parties. I love your parties. I didn't make it last time, but I love your parties. She puts together these New Year's Eve parties and she goes all out. She doesn't just tell you when the party is and where the party is, she actually tells you what to wear to the party. <laughs> now, some people might call her a control freak, but no, she tells you what to wear. Like, what, it was a white party. Now, I don't mean skin color. Come on, somebody. It was a white party. And you, had, you had to dress all in white. There was, I think it was the glitter party. Was that what it was? And so you had to be dressed in something shiny and, and glittery. Yeah. Right? And, and, and she, she not only invites you to the party, she tells you what to wear. It makes things really easy, but also makes things really fun. Okay? This is what. Genesis 1, 27 is saying, hey, I'm inviting you to the party. We're going to make man in our own image. He invites us to this massive, amazing party, and then he says, and here's what you're going to look like. You're going to look like me. You're going to dress like me. We're the express image of God. He is my shepherd. I am his. He is 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 mine. Now, you just, you just gotta be careful with that because a lot of times we can think through that and, and we kind of think through a couple of filters sometimes when we think about God. And, and maybe you didn't label it like this, but sometimes we can think of God as a genie, right? I got saved, I got my magic lamp thingy, bottle, whatever. And then whenever we need God, rub the bottle. God, I'm really struggling financially right now. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Woo! Right? God, I'm not feeling good right now. I could really use some healing. God, you know what? I'm really dealing with some difficult people right now. I could really use an angel to take them out with a sword. Right? Right? God, I found this hot chicken. I just need you to stay in the bottle right now. Come on, somebody. Right? Well... a little personal right now isn't it okay so we we treat god like 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 we can tell him what to do when to do it how to do it but that is bad theology that is not right he is not a genie in a bottle that helps you out whenever you need help Uh, that's not the way it works okay he is there when you're doing bad he is there when you're doing good bible says he'll never leave you nor forsake you are you with me? He's not there just so you can try to use him. Matter of fact, you can't use God. The Bible says you're instruments of righteousness. We're the tools in His hand. See, I love what is it? Psalm uh, uh, thirty. Oh, it thirty-four? Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the Psalm thirty-four. Eight, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. And some people use that as like a prosperity thing. Hey, just come to church. Delight yourself in worship. Read the Bible. Man, get a devotional, a daily devotional. And guess what? As you delight yourself in the Lord, he's going to give you all the desires that you want. But that's wrong. Because if you actually study out the word delight, the word picture there, the imagery there, is being a lump of clay in the potter's hands. So for me to delight means I'm just a lump of dirt. I'm like, here I am, God. Give me... Craft in me, form in me the desires that I should have. Are you with me? See, if you read that wrong, then it all becomes all about, oh, I'm just delighting in Lord. Where's that new car? Right? So we could, we could look at him as a genie, but that ain't the case. No, we need to put ourselves in God's hands and allow him to give us the desires that he wants for us. A lot of us can look at God as a cop, right? That he's just there to enforce the laws. The rules of Christianity, right? And so we have this view of God that I can't mess up. If I mess up, he's going to get me. If I, if, I, if I say the wrong things, I'm going to cuss in my mind. I'm probably going to get a swearing ticket, right? Now I, I probably won't get something from him. He probably won't do something for me. We think of him as a cop, but he's not a cop. The Bible says he's the protector. He's the paraclete. He's the, he's, the, he's, the, he's the advocate that goes before you. He is not a cop that is waiting for you to mess up. He's not a cop that's waiting like, oh, you did that. No, 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 he's there, and he surrounds himself around you, and he protects you, and he guides you, and he keeps you. And the Bible says he'll lead you and guide you in all wisdom. This is good preaching, Pastor. Amen. And he's the protector. He guards you. That, that, that's why the Bible says be anxious for nothing. But let the peace of God which surpasses all human comprehension, guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Man, see, one of, the, one of the reasons we need to get a building and bring everything together is because I got so much more to preach right now. Dang it, and it's 1059. Man, be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious for no No, no, let, let God come. He's the protector and the garter of your heart. Sometimes he protects your heart from outside things coming in. Sometimes he protects your heart from stupid choices you make. He comes and he surrounds your heart. Son, daughter, don't do that. He protects from outside sources. He's the protector. He's the garter. Man, he loves your heart. He's not a path. Some of us think of God as an old man. That when I need some nuggets of wisdom... I mean, he really is totally removed from current life things. Doesn't really understand what's going on with culture because, I mean, the Bible was written a long time ago. Doesn't really understand. But you know what? When I need a good nugget of wisdom, something to tweet out, come on, somebody. I'll just, you know, I'll go to him and I'll get. But he really isn't in tune with the things I'm walking through. And we view God in these ways, but what we need to understand that now, he's the one that created us. We're made in his likeness and in his image, and he is here for me all the time. Amen? Amen. Amen. The Lord is mine. He's mine, and I am, I am his. And listen to this last one. We'll finish with this. He is good. The Lord is my shepherd, the, the, the top little thing on top of your Bible where it says Psalm 23 it probably says the good shepherd because when it talks about the shepherd it it presupposes the idea of good that this shepherd is is over this this flock of sheep and that this shepherd is going to protect the sheep and and move the sheep in the right directions he's good the Lord is my shepherd he is God he is mine and he is good He is God, He is mine, and He is good. Romans 2 4 tells us this it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. It's not the cop, it's not some wisdom that you heard. No, it's the goodness of God that leads people into His kingdom. It's His goodness. It's his, it's his splendor. It's the fact that he loves us, whether we good or whether we bad. See, one of the biggest lies, one of the biggest lies you could ever hear from the enemy is that God is a transactional God. That he will do you good if you did some good for him. That because you showed up on a Sunday morning, you served, hey, gold star for me, and as soon as I fill up my chart with gold stars, God's gonna do something good for me. It's a lie. He's not a transactional God because the minute we begin to think of him as transactional, we think we can do good enough things to get him to do good for us. All of a sudden, we begin works-based. i got to go to a small group tonight. Why? Well, not because I really want to and not because I really like anybody in my small group. But if I don't go to a small group, well, I should serve in church. Why? Well, because if I don't serve in church, people won't notice me. God might not notice me. He doesn't notice I don't know if he's going to do anything good. The problem with that is the minute you do bad, you're running around scared thinking God's going to do you bad is not a transactional God. He, does, he doesn't work like a debit machine. Are you with me? No, the Bible says he is a covenantal God. He's a God who establishes covenant with his people, and he comes to us with a covenant not because we were good. He actually came to his people because they were bad. What does the Bible say? Know this, Timothy. Christ came to save sinners. He came to seek and save the lost. He came for the sick and not for the well. The reason he's a covenantal God is not because we were so good that he said, good job, kids. I'm gonna come and establish a covenant with you. He looked down and said, you guys need me. And so I'm gonna make a covenant with you. And as you read the Bible, not only does he make a covenant, he is the covenant, he seals the covenant, he keeps the covenant, he establishes the covenant, and because of him, it's called grace. It's called, there was absolutely nothing you could do. I remember I was, I was, I was preaching in, uh, in Australia, and I flew over and I flew coach. <laughs> I don't mind flying coach to like Seattle. It's like a two and a half hour trip. You start flying to the other side of the world and coach when you're 6'6". Six, six. I mean, they, they, they try to charge me more money for being tall. Are you with me? That's not fair. So I happened to get the aisle seat, but it was the, or the, the, the exit seat, the emergency seat, but it was the exit middle. And I had two really um, large people next to me. And so I was like this whole way. At least I could stretch out my legs. But I was just like, oh. I don't remember how long the flight. I tried to block it out of my mind. Went over, preached in Australia, had a great time. And we're flying back. This time I got the bulkhead. But at least I got a couple seats next to me. But there's the, the bulkhead right there. I can't stretch out my legs. I'm thinking this is going to be a really long flight. We get in the air about an hour in the air. And all of a sudden, here over the intercom, we need a nurse or a doctor to aisle 21, whatever it was. And it happened to be my aisle. And I'm like, what's going on? Well, the lady next to me starts having some, some serious things going on. And so all these, you know, emergency technicians run over there. And, and they're like, sir, you need to move. And I'm like, and the bulkhead was right here and first class was right there. And I'm like, okay. And so I get up. I go to first class. If you've never flown first class to Australia, I'm telling you, like, man, like, they actually, they actually have like real knives and forks and little salt and pepper shakers. <laughs> TV, you can select any of you want, a blanket. I mean, you could kick back and lay back. I was just like, yes, this is the way pastors should always fly, right? <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I was, th- I was there for about two minutes. I'm comfy. And all of a sudden, like, three stewardesses come, like, hey, what are you doing here? can we see your ticket? And I'm like, ah, it's behind the bulkhead. And they're like, well, you can't be sitting up here. And I'm like, why? They're like, well, because you didn't pay for this. I'm like, I know, but, but the person next to me was having issues, and they flooded my with, road with paramedics, and I don't, I don't know what to do about it. Like, I'm, where am I going to sit? And they're like, well, well, we'll find you a seat back there. And I said, well, you better find me a seat back there with two seats next to it, because that's what I paid for. They came back a few minutes later, and they're like, sir, you can stay here in first class the rest of the flight. Like, yes. I said, pastor, how does that relate to this I did absolutely nothing to sit in first class. (laughs) I didn't pay for the ticket, I did nothing. I just embraced the opportunity that was before me and because a woman almost died, I got to go sit in first class. Let me tell you something, because of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for you and for me, he took everything upon himself. He said, you don't deserve it, you didn't pay for it, but guess what, you get to go sit in first class. The Lord is my shepherd. Listen to it now, listen to it now, listen to it now. See, church is fun, isn't it? Listen to it now. Listen to the last part of that verse. And I got to get out of here because I got to preach another one. Listen to it now. It says, there's nothing I lack. Nothing I lack. There's nothing I lack. Because of who he is, he's good, he's mine, and he's God. And because of that, I lack nothing. See, here's the problem. Too many of us look at what we think we lack, and we go to God as as we're going through a store saying, well, I need that, and I need that, and I need that. The problem is we need to flip that and say, go to the store and say, wow, look at everything that's available to me. Because of all of this, I lack nothing. We need to try, try to stop filling our lack with what he has and start going to what he has and say, that's all that I need. We need to get to a place where we are not looking at our Goliath, but we are looking at our God. Is somebody with me this morning? Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.